The China Current continues its special coverage on the coronavirus outbreak. Go to our social media at the China Current and our website for interviews, videos, and podcasts. I'm James Chow. Thank you. Kishore Mahbubani is known to different people for his different accomplishments. Most recently, for his book "Has the West Lost It?" and for his upcoming book "Has China Won: The Chinese Challenge to American Primacy." But to the international community, he is known and respected for his work as Singapore's permanent representative to the United Nations, during which he served as president of the UN Security Council. With China, Singapore is one of the early countries to be hit by the outbreak of a new coronavirus called COVID-19. At the time of this interview on February 26th, there had been 91 confirmed cases in Singapore, but 58 of those have been discharged and no deaths. I began by asking Mr. Mabubani about the meaning behind that experience. The years of experience. In building up a very strong public administration,、uh, especially strong public administration in health, has paid off. And as you know, Singapore is one of the worst hit by the SARS crisis. We learned a lot of lessons、uh, from the SARS crisis, so we could mobilize and respond、uh, much more quickly、uh, to COVID nineteen.、Uh, And the government was very careful and measured in its response. It wanted to take it very seriously, but it didn't want to create any sense of panic、uh, in the population. And because、uh, there is a very high degree of trust、uh, among the people of Singapore and the government of Singapore,、uh, they were able to.、Uh, Um, you know, go along with the advice、uh, of the government. So, for example, there was a some panic buying of masks, toilet paper, noodles, <laughs> but all that stopped when the government said, "Please don't worry, we will ensure that you have supplies." And not all the governments can get this kind of response from their population. But the reason why the Singapore government could get that response is because there's a high level of trust、uh, in the government、uh, among the people. Well, this is one of the most fascinating aspects. We saw the prime minister give a televised address. Everybody、mm. responded, not only in Singapore but actually globally as well, saying that this was、mm. an example of clear leadership at a time of a health emergency.、Mm. Around the、that's、world,、right. though, we are seeing. Uh, endemic mistrust, not only in governments but also in our institutions. What's happening that's different, and what does that say about how the world should be handling COVID nineteen as it continues to spread now into Europe, into、yeah. the Middle East, and also into、yeah. the top of Africa? Yeah, I think the first and most important lesson、uh, we should learn from the COVID nineteen outbreak. Is that we no longer live in 193 separate countries, and let me use the metaphor of the cruise ship, Diamond Princess, that is, as you know, moored off Japan. And when even when people lock themselves up in their cabins, they still got infected by COVID-19. So, essentially, to put it very simply, 
especially maybe for some young people, our huge planet Earth has become like a cruise ship, the Diamond Princess. So even if we lock up our countries, we will end up getting COVID-19 or so. So clearly, the big lesson is that all countries of the world have to work together. And to work together, we have to strengthen institutions like the World Health Organization instead of weakening them, which is what we've been doing. And we should also uh, develop an international coalition led by the two most powerful countries in the world, namely the United States and China, to develop a coordinated global response uh, to COVID-19. Because just as uh, we were able to rescue the world at the height of the global financial crisis because the US and China came together at the G20 meeting in London in early 2009, similarly, President Trump and President Xi should convene a, uh, a meeting of the G20 immediately to say, hey, let's come together and deal with COVID-19. I mean, you've touched on a number of very, very important points, one of them being the solidarity that we saw on the global financial crisis in the late 2008-2009 uh, period. We're not seeing the same solidarity politically and across governments on this incredibly important issue which is health and how it affects our productivity, including of our economies. Why does it seem to be a stumbling block when it comes to health? I mean, I know that even in your TED talk, you talk about global governance. And the first example of that was health, you said. But a lot of people yeah. see health as being different to global governance. They talk about global governance and they talk about global health governance as if they're two separate animals. Why is that? Well, I think... You know, the, the tragedy here, and this, of course, is something that I discuss in all my recent books, including The Great Convergence and Has the West uh, Lost It. The West made a fundamental strategic mistake uh, at the end of the Cold War because the West thought it had won the Cold War and therefore it could carry on on autopilot that would always remain dominant and strong. And you can talk to Margaret Chan, <laughs> who lives in Hong Kong. And you find out that if your mandatory funding is cut, you cannot make long-term plans to strengthen WHO. You cannot recruit long-term health inspectors to go out and help countries in the midst of a crisis. So the West, sadly, has adopted the wrong strategy in weakening multilateral institutions. So a lot of my argument, in fact, the conclusion of my book has the West lost it. And the conclusion of my TED talk is that the West should now re make a U-turn and strengthen multilateral institutions instead of weakening them. Let's talk about service through your own personal lens. You twice served as ambassador, permanent representative to the United Nations for Singapore. At a time now when we think about our multilateral frameworks and how they are under attack, but how we need them so much more because of crises such as COVID-19, how best can the UN ensure not only its survival, but its position as the front lines of what you call the village councillors, the village chiefs? That's right. Uh, you're absolutely right. I use different metaphors uh, to explain the significance of the U United Nations and the global multilateral institutions. Sometimes I use the image of the boat, which I use 
with COVID-19, we are all now caught in a cruise ship together and we have to work together to battle COVID-19. Similarly, I also say that we live in a, in a small global village and that's actually a metaphor that Kofi Annan, the late Secretary General of the UN, uh, used to use. And as you know, if you live in a village, the first thing you need to do is have a village council. And clearly, the only global village council we have are those based on the United Nations family. So what we should do, therefore, in reaction, when you become a smaller and smaller global village, we should be strengthening the global village councils, not weakening them. Can we talk now about China's prevention and containment efforts in this outbreak? Um, there is a very school of strong school of thought um, that says that what China did was proactive, that it's bought the rest of the world time in preparing for the outbreak coming to their countries, particularly those of weaker health systems. And there's a very strong camp on the other side uh, that says that the outbreak may have had some source in China, which we still don't know for sure, um, and that it shows China's weakness in the global order, that at the end of the day, the second biggest economy is still very vulnerable. Focusing first on its containment and prevention efforts, what do you take from that? Well, I, I completely agree with the views expressed by the head of the World Health Organization, which is the most important organization in the field of health. I completely agree with the views of Lancet magazine, uh, in, in, in which is the most prestigious uh, magazine in this field. And they all agree that China has done a phenomenal job in trying to contain uh, this virus. And of course, there were a few initial missteps in Wuhan. But, you know, as my doctor friends tell me, it's very difficult to spot an epidemic early. I mean, the people going around and sniffing and coughing, most of the time that's quite normal, right? It's not as though they're dying in the streets. Then you, then you wake up immediately. But if people are going around sniffing and coughing, you do not know that this is a new epidemic. But once they understood and hoisted in the fact that this is a something new and something real, then I think the reaction was phenomenal. You know, and there are very few governments that can build a hospital in 10 days. And there are very few governments that can quarantine a province of 16 million people. I guarantee you that the United States government cannot quarantine Texas impossible <laughs> you know you won't have the means to do so whereas the, the chinese government has the power the authority and the legitimacy to carry out such a drastic step so the world should be grateful that the chinese government has been very effective because if the, if the, if the opposite had happened you would have seen many more cases of COVID 19 in the rest of the world by now you are not a public health expert but you've engaged with the world on every important and meaningful level and you now lend that in your thought leadership what would you say china should do next at this stage of a changing outbreak and how best can it contribute to a healthier world i think the best thing that china can do is to uh, work with the united states to lead a coordinated global response to COVID 19. 
COVID-19 cannot be handled by any country by itself. It's now spread to every corner of the world and all the countries in the world must cooperate and collaborate together to work on this. So what you definitely need is, a, is for a start, I hope, a very high level meeting of the G20 countries coming together to say, hey, we should work together to solve this problem.